you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25 and reading through the end of the chapter, verse 71. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, this is God's Word. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all he has given me, but raise them up. At the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, now, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. 
Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. The main point today, the main point, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. This is the first of seven famous I am statements in the Gospel of John. It's not the only time Jesus said I am these seven times, but it is the first of seven metaphors that Jesus uses to describe who he is. 
and how he has been sent by the Father to meet our needs. Here in this passage, chapter 6, he calls himself the bread of life. In chapters 8 and 9, he calls himself the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Chapter 10, I am the door of the sheep. Also in chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. In chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. In chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. All of these statements were spoken by Jesus in order that those who believed in him would know that he alone meets our need. Now, in this passage, we see the same words being spoken to different people, and some believe, and some refuse to believe. In fact, Jesus is going to speak so provocatively, if you will, that it says in verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. As I've studied the scriptures, I've often thought, you know, if only I could have been a consultant. You know, I, I, I could have helped Jesus not to say some of the things that he said. I mean, huh, I mean, why'd you have to say it like that? Jesus said, I only say what the Father tells me to say. So we have to bear that in mind as we read here some things that are difficult. Some people have trouble with the idea of Jesus saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. What in the world does that mean? But a lot of people have trouble with some of the other things Jesus says in this passage. For example, Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I'll never drive away. Hmm. All that the Father gives me will come to me? Yes, verse 44, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Verse 45, everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. But what does it mean that we can't come to him unless we're drawn by the Father? What does he mean when he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me? That almost sounds as if there's this election, predestination kind of thing going on. As if God is the one who saves from first to last. It's not us choosing him. It's that he chose us. I've heard about people like you. I don't believe in predestination. Well, okay, would you please explain to me what all those words in Romans and Ephesians mean when it says we're predestined? I just don't like to think about that. 
Because I believe in the American way. Everybody gets one vote. And you and I must choose if you're going to be saved or not. Well, there's a sense in which we must choose. And right here in this chapter, we see choices being made. But the only people who make the right choice, the only people who make the right choice, are those who are drawn by the Father. That's what the Scriptures say. I don't like that. But you're not in charge. You didn't write the book, neither did I. We need to believe what God says. And this is what God says. The consequence is not that those who believe this walk around patting themselves on the shoulder and saying, God chose me. I'm, I'm, I'm chosen. And you better treat me like it. It's not that. Those who understand and believe what God says here are astounded that God would choose us. Does God give us any, any clues in his word as to the basis of his choice? Yes, he does, actually. He doesn't tell us all of it, but he tells us in Paul's letter to the Corinthians that God deliberately chose the nobodies. Not many wise, not many noble, not many powerful. God deliberately chose those the world would not choose in order to make it clear that it's all His grace. Well, in that case, I mean, what are we doing trying to tell people about Jesus? Because anybody who's chosen is going to get saved, and anybody who's not chosen is not going to get saved. Well, if that's your attitude, I'd say there's a very high probability that you're not chosen. Because God tells us to go and share this good news and make disciples of all the nations. And if you feel like, well, based on the little bit you've explained there, I, I don't see any reason for it. Well, then what you're saying is, I'm going to do what I think instead of what God says. The reason we engage in evangelism and missions around the world is not because it's all resting on us. It's because God has commissioned us and said, go. As you go, make disciples of all the nations, wherever you are, whatever situation he puts you in, be prayerfully looking for the opportunity to share his love and point people to him. You are listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers. If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit wvr.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you will also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. Again, please visit wvr.org today. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the so, unknown where Jesus, Jesus is the bread of life. He says so. I am the bread of life. What does that mean for us? It means if you want to be filled, if you want to be satisfied, if you want to be strengthened, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. These people had gone 
into boats and crossed back over the lake to Capernaum in order to link up with Jesus. And Jesus says, I know why you're here. You're not just curious. You want more food. Don't work for the food that perishes. Instead, you should focus on the food that gives eternal life. What are you talking about, Jesus? They asked him a question that you and I must pay attention to. What do we have to do in order to do the works that God requires? What is God really looking for in us? Have you ever wondered that? God, what do you, what do you want me to do? Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You want to know what God wants from you first and foremost? It's to trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Believe in the one that he has sent. The only hope for any of us is Jesus. But if you are trusting in Jesus, then finally there's peace. Finally, there's satisfaction. When the church I pastored in Atlanta was talking to me about the possibility of coming there back in 1985. (laughs) Yes, I was alive in 1985. But they were talking to me about coming and they said, this neighborhood is just completely changing. It was kind of built up in the 1960s and now it's you know, those houses are being torn down and these mansions are being built in its place. And the church is being surrounded by these super expensive, fancy homes. And, you know, how in the world do you reach people like that? <laughs> they were asking a guy who was about to turn 31. But, but I, I knew the answer. I said, this is a great time to reach these people. Somebody said, but, but they've, they've got everything. And I said, yes, and it hasn't satisfied them. They thought when they got that new job, when they got that promotion, when they bought that company, when sales reached this much, when they got this house, when they got that Rolls Royce, when they got all this stuff, then they'd be fulfilled. And the answer is no. Not enough. Never enough. No amount of money, no amount of fame, no amount of prestige, none of that can ever fill the emptiness that's inside of every person until they know the Lord. That's why he is the bread of life. He's the one sent by the Father. Everything else perishes, goes bad, wears out, won't hold up. So, Jesus says what we need is to receive him. And Jesus promises, it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give 
for the life of the world. What in the world is he talking about? He's talking about the fact that he's going to give his life on the cross in order to take the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin. His body was nailed to that cross. He died in our place. He suffered the most horrible, tortured death that the Romans could devise. Jesus offered up his body, his flesh. And right before he did so, he explained to his disciples at Passover that this was the plan of God from the beginning. All those animal sacrifices pointed to him. None of them could take away sin. They only provided a covering. But they were pointing to him. And so Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Well, what is he talking about? Is this a magic thing where it turns into meat and, and blood? No. He's explaining what that picture that God had given the Jewish people was a picture of. It was a picture of Jesus dying on the cross for us. So, Jesus, when the people are starting to recoil at what he's saying, becomes more deliberate in what he says. The Jews, verse 52, began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus didn't say, oh, oh, I don't mean literally. Instead, he said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Wow. And so the response to that was to say, I, I, I just can't go with this, okay? I'm leaving. And Jesus said, you're going to see more than that if you stay with me. What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Only Jesus' closest followers were going to end up getting to see that. But Jesus knew that even in the group that stayed, there was one who absolutely did not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And so he says to the twelve when the crowd scattered, you do not want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, and this is the confession of one who's drawn by the Father. Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. That is what the Father's looking for. Do you believe Jesus is the only one? Peter didn't understand all that. You and I don't have to understand all this. We have to know that Jesus is the one we're trusting. Jesus is the only one who saves. And if your trust is in him, you belong to him. But if you're trusting in something else, I plead with you, while you still have time, ask him to save you. He will. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.